everybody. Welcome to another edition of Founder Wisdom Podcast. Today we have Brian R. Johnson with us. He is the co-founder of Canopy Management, which is an Amazon uh, PPC firm. Uh, they do very interesting stuff. Brian, I'm just going to let you introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about Canopy. Absolutely. So, yeah, so I am, I am with, I do represent Canopy Management. Um, so my my background uh well i guess first of all so uh brian johnson so i am currently located in texas in the united states in south central texas between austin and san antonio originally uh, i came out of the oregon washington uh, area uh pacific northwest of the united states came down uh, lived in uh, europe for a few months and then came down back to the states and lived in uh this the southern states ever since arizona hmm. uh, and then now in texas for the last 10 years so how was your european uh, experience oh it was good i mean i I've, I've i think i've traveled more to different european countries in the last you know five or six years um so i got a lot more experience as far as other countries but i lived in italy for about three months um primarily out of um, it was a little uh, rural town called Impruneta uh, outside of uh, Florence, Italy. And then we would just go through and uh, uh, I'd work a little bit during the days. And then I would travel to different by train to, you know, all the different cities that I could get to in Italy during that three months. So, nice. um, yeah, it was pretty, it was quite interesting, uh, you know, living in a 1500 year old house <laughs> you know, on the countryside. So culture uh, shock. Kind yeah, of. it was. Uh, a little bit. I, I mean, I, I spoke a little bit of the language um, I, I learned. And then the, my girlfriend at the time, she was uh, she's fluent in Spanish. And so she was able to translate a lot of the other, you know, the rest of it, I guess. Um, nice. But yeah, since then, I've been able to go to a lot of other uh, European countries and a lot more trips around the world and stuff. So it's been fun. Um, but as far as like business background goes, um, so. Uh, I've been in e-commerce for about 14 years and I've always been, uh, you know, apparently I was always an entrepreneur because even as a, mm-hmm. even as a kid, I was always trying to figure out, you know, what kind of a business thing I could do. I was never that stereotypical story of, Hey, I was the guy, I was the kid who was selling candy to his classmates at school. I wish I was, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> definitely in my teenage years, um, I was always hustling. I was always trying to do something on the nights and the weekends. And so after fighting that instinct and spending about 20 years in corporate America, I finally got rid of that and shifted over to, uh, to doing real business, uh, which means actually working <laughs> for real. Right. And, yep. uh, but yeah, I've been in e-commerce for about the last 14 years in the Amazon space for the last seven years. So the first seven was primarily on eBay and I was selling money counting equipment, like banking equipment, like coin sorters and money counters Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. Uh, Got some Mm -hmm. interesting stories with that too, but yeah, um, (laughs) dealing with movie studios and drug dealers and and all kinds of weird Scarface and all that. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I was sold to quite a lot. A wide range of people, I guess, uh, jails, all that kind of stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, shifted over to Amazon and been in the Amazon space for the last seven years and started selling my own products 
and then got into because I, I learned enough that I knew a little bit more than other than some other people. Other people started asking mm -hmm. me more questions and I had to uh, mm -hmm. go and try to manage it and research it. And I was still very much a novice at the time. But mm -hmm. one of the things that kept coming up was just trying to get the advertising to work, the Amazon PPC advertising. That yeah, Amazon's is what, kind of the place to be like nowadays. Um, and we'll we'll talk a bit more about that. I just want to go back in time and okay. revisit the point that you mentioned basically about being an entrepreneur at uh, an earlier age. You know, like funny enough, my dad was an entrepreneur, but in my generation, we had the, um, the curse of video games. So, you know, like it's, it was kind of, oh, do I stay and play Xbox and uh, become the best at Call of Duty and at World of Warcraft or do I start the venture? And, I think right. that's one bad thing about video games, although they do shaped my brain and gave me unfair advantage later on um, from being like so productive and so focused on, on one thing. And, you know, the gamification of all of it, I think it gave us a massive advantage on my generations, although most of our parents were like, yeah, what, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. And frankly, I think I'd be like that with my kids, you know, nowadays. Uh, but I think that that's an interesting point to note. I, I would have rather spend that time and energy building stuff. I think my first venture was uh, around 16 or, or 17. And I wish I, I knew before, but that, that's interesting that you picked it up um, so quick. And then it's, it's you know, the, the cash counting machine, not sure how you got into this, but it's like, it's like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's directly like related to abundance and wealth. And then I guess you found yourself at another nice place lately, which is Amazon. I mean, that's pretty much a place to be. Uh, the company has grown like almost twofold since like uh, five years or so. It has pretty much exploded yeah. during COVID. Um, have you have you felt that through the business? Have you felt like a massive influx of clients in the past two years? Yeah, it. it I mean, we definitely see where there's been a lot more increase in. Uh, sale overall sales volume on Amazon and mm -hmm. e-commerce in general um, during mm -hmm. COVID, but you also have those, you know, for you know, you get you get some of these these great stories where people are just like, oh, I was making a hundred thousand dollars a day selling face masks. Well, that lasted mm -hmm. for two weeks, probably, you know, in reality. Yeah. And then you and have how much money that's do they like, cost? You know, like they always hide these right. these types of things. Yeah, well, there, there, yeah, there's definitely is like, you know, do, were they actually, you know, making a profit off of it? And, and because of the high prices at the time, they probably were. Um, certainly the, you know, there's, there's other stories where you've got where somebody, their whole product line was to, to serve two markets. For instance, we had a client like this that, that we tried to salvage and they ended up pivoting. There's a great story behind that, but they, um, they supplied um, conference like live exhibits and conference mm -hmm. shows. And they also supplied school systems and both of those shut down completely when COVID started. And mm -hmm. so their, their sales went from, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a month down to 20,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And as a business owner, I've certainly been in those cases because we did the same thing, you know, at, at canopy. And that is, Myself and my my co-founder, um, you know, that's the one of the first things is like, okay, is this going to hit us? Is this going to be a waterfall mm -hmm. effect? Are we going to lose, you know, a bunch of clients? And mm -hmm. one of the first things we did 
was, okay, let's first of all, focus on our employees. And then second, focus mm -hmm. on what can we do for those clients that are struggling? So mm -hmm. in that situation, when COVID first hit and there was, we had a few clients, probably had several clients actually at the time that, that were hit hard by COVID because their product lines were for the in-person market. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is we said, okay, we're putting, we're going to continue to manage your, your, your ads and your marketing and that kind of stuff on Amazon to try to help you through, but we're not going to charge you for it. In other words, we're going to put you, sure. uh, we're going to hold all of our fees for the next, you know, couple of months. And mm -hmm. in all, except for one case, every single client was able to recover in part because of what we helped them to recover with, as well as to give them a pass as far as additional fees. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, the one that I was mentioning that they went from, you know, a couple hundred thousand down to 20,000 a month, they, uh, they of course had to lay off a number of their employees and, but they were able to completely pivot and introduce a whole new product line so that within a year they were back up to, you know, being able to rehire, you know, the employees that wanted to come back. <laughs> um, they were able to rehire hmm. those employees within a year because they completely pivoted hmm. to a whole new product line that wasn't relying on in-person activity. And so, hmm. um, and I think we still work with them today. Yeah, we actually do. We work with them today still. So that actually created more of a kind of a long-term um, case. Now, what myself and my co-founder did from an agency standpoint, at the beginning of COVID, we said, okay, we need to store cash real fast to make sure that um that or that we can keep everybody employed who works for us and the payrolls because yeah so for, the, for the payroll right we need to basically say okay we need to set aside probably three months of additional reserve in addition to what we would normally mm -hmm. have an additional three months of uh payroll reserve because one of the things we realized really quick is it's not simply just oh we have this one person who's working for us a lot of times we heard this many many times is the spouses or family members of our employees, they were getting mm. laid off from their jobs. Yep. So they were already mm. taking a terrible. And if we had to cut back, if we had to lay somebody off, then the family has no income. And that yeah, wasn't acceptable zero. to us. And so mm -hmm. my co-founder and I, uh, my partner and I, we said, okay, we're just, we're not taking a dime from the company, we're putting everything into True. payroll savings. And we did that for two and a half months. Um, well, we didn't take anything out of the company until Just, things and, got and we better. We didn't have right? to lay off anybody. Yeah, we didn't have to lay off anybody. That's pretty cool. That's so, a cool story. I mean, mine was a, a bit uh, more chaotic. I still remember the time and place because as a digital nomad, you know, I travel a lot, and you know, I, I would change uh, pretty much country every month. But then, like once this thing hit, I would change uh, cities in Mexico every. Every month, and I still remember where where I was, you know. And at the time, I was serving realtors, uh, doing Facebook ads for them, and I was worried because these guys, everything was on pause. You know, they couldn't visit house literally for, and that lasted probably like a couple months. And by then, I need uh, I knew I needed to pivot, you know. So everything in in life, once you look at it, you know, every negative event in life, once you look at it, like after, in, you know, in the future later on. I look at it with like grateful eyes because I, I pivoted from a business model also that wasn't working with people that 
that weren't willing to pay for, for my services back in the days, realtors, you know. Um, certainly it stressed me out and yeah, I didn't know if I would I, I would be able to meet the payrolls, you know, and and, and so forth. But yeah. yeah, looking back at it, I'm I'm definitely grateful. I'm curious as um how you met Brian basically because your co-founder is named Brian. How did you guys meet? So we, he'd actually hired me to, to coach him or to consult for his brand because at the time okay. I had, um, kind of jumping back into, to the, to my Amazon story is mm -hmm. after I had started my own product, um, I started actually coaching and consulting for other, uh, for other brands mm -hmm. that were friends of mine. Right. So just kind of helping mm -hmm. them do a favor. One of the things I realized was the i didn't know how to do the advertising so i went out seeking okay how do i learn how to do the advertising on amazon and mm. there wasn't anything just crickets okay. you know there wasn't training there wasn't training courses there wasn't a community there wasn't software there wasn't mm -hmm. coaches or anything like that just doesn't didn't exist and so yeah. i started just researching it because i didn't have any other choice and i started originally i started a a facebook group called amazon okay. ppc troubleshooting just to talk about okay. <laughs> troubleshooting advertising for Amazon, right? Yeah. Very, very narrow, right? When everybody else was, yeah. they had their groups and their podcasts and they're saying like everything about selling on Amazon, but then they'd pull me on to their podcasts and their groups to talk about advertising because they didn't know the advertising mm -hmm. either. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I had originally started out the group as like a little mastermind, like a little discussion. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, you know, I was expecting mm -hmm. like maybe 50, 60 people would get together and say, Hey, you know, how do you use this or what's working for you? Yeah. That group has 22,000 sellers in it today. <laughs> Holy shit. So, Was it organic or did but, you like uh, promote it in some way? Well, there, we, so we did have, that's actually a good point. So um, I did go into other groups and I would make comments and I would try to be helpful. And mm -hmm. if I did try to promote my own group, um or at the, or or subsequently i created the first amazon advertising software very mm -hmm. rudimentary very ugly it's like i've heard a statement that says, says like look if you launch your um soft if you're if you're not embarrassed by your first launch then you're too late <laughs> you, you waited too exactly. long to come to market if you're not embarrassed by the first thing first version i was embarrassed by the first version so i actually hit that one correctly yeah. Um, but I, I did try to go into other groups and, um, while I was being helpful on one hand, I was occasionally, you know, like, Hey, here's, you know, here's my site or, you know, here's my link, whatever. And of course, as should have happened is the moderator would, would, of course, you know, the group owner would shut me down and say like, yeah, you can't do that. But they at least recognized that I was providing value to their community. So they simply just slapped my hand. I don't have that kind of tolerance in my own group. If somebody comes in, they post a link and say, hey, you can hire me, you're gone. You're banned from the group. There's no second chance. Would you also if ban they, someone posting for a job like I post for jobs like, hey, I'm looking for this person, would you ban me? No, not necessarily. Um, it depends <laughs> on, on what the intent is behind it. So if okay. somebody's simply just like going, hey, I'm looking to hire somebody, you know, whatever, I'll probably let it go. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Also, anybody that I know that has contributed some valuable information, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, then, then, of course, I would let them ride. You know, I might mention mm -hmm. it to say, hey, easy with the links and that kind of stuff. 
But if somebody just comes in in their first week and they're like going, oh, here's my link to my fiber gig and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, sorry. You're not doing that here. So I tried yeah, to keep the quality up um, by being the mean ogre, you know. But <laughs> anyway, so created the, created the community. Created the software. That was, that was like early days. And that's probably how you, you, met, uh, you met Brian. Um, yeah. Well, so Brian actually, a, yeah. Let me bridge that. So, so Brian was aware, apparently, as Brian tells the story, is when he was looking around for somebody to consult for his own brand, he started going mm -hmm. into different groups and saying, hey, who do you listen to? Who do you respect? You know, who know, okay. really knows their stuff? And people kept on mm -hmm. pointing to me. Um, hmm. Or they'd appoint, appoint to somebody else and then and he asked them, so, okay, who did you learn from? And they'd point back to me. So ultimately, it's because I had lay, laid the groundwork of being out there in service, essentially, to the community and really trying to help people genuinely. First, there, that does two things. One is it certainly you can make a name for yourself, but it also puts you to the fire. In other words, when people start coming to you for the answers, you always end up having to have the answers, which means you got to be ready to go out and research all the answers, <laughs> even if you don't know exactly. <laughs> which yeah, you need to know your shit. Like, generally speaking, exactly. you know, I have a saying, most people say like, hey, never be the smartest in the room. I said the other way around, always be the smartest in the room. Obviously put yourself with smart people, but always be the smartest among smartest. Um, yeah. that That's great. And yeah, like I guess uh, he, he saw an expert or someone that he could consult with he hired you and after that he saw results and he was like okay this this stuff is exploding let's let's start something together is it yeah. how it went it's exactly yeah and that that carried over to us creating a whole training course what we call sponsor products academy which is the first professional like four-week training course that we launched um and that Interesting. did it was a crazy amount of work creating a course oh my gosh <laughs> It, it, is, yeah. it is very painful how many hours it takes to create, um, you know, a course that is that is that big. Yeah. Uh, how big is it? Like how many hours um, in total? Watch time? 16, maybe? Production. You know, it like doesn't sound like it's or 80? Much. Yeah, it, it's probably, well, the, produ the, the whole production, recording, um, just kind of coming up with all the graphics and charts and all that kind of stuff was probably at least another, um, you know, four to six weeks of production on that. Oh, and so, I mean, there was literally, and... yeah, I mean, there was literally a time, there was a week where I had a cot, you know, a fold-up bed, right? A cot in my office because I didn't go home because I was just... <laughs> Like, like I was so unbelievably over-caffeinated and bloodshot eyes for a week straight, just trying to produce all the content, just trying to get it all out of my head and into this course, just so that we could meet our launch deadline. That's just so. But if you're not, like, like, I don't, as I get older, the less likely I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. any you entrepreneur, want to have the quality of life. Founder, yeah, exactly. Any entrepreneur, any founder has got to be willing to take that on. That's how yeah. you're going how, to be how is successful. The course is doing the right now, like, is, is it doing well? Like, how many sales are you hitting on a monthly basis? Well, so we don't continue to sell it now. We only do do a launch model. So um, okay. we did three different versions across four years. We did three different versions. We haven't done a recent. We haven't done one in the, since COVID started. 
Um, in fact, okay. we launched the last one right right when COVID was just first hitting. We haven't done one since. Why but did you discontinue? Launch, um, mostly because we we got really busy with other things. We didn't necessarily need it. Um, the the information was so good, and then you know time goes by. It's kind of like, okay, do we really want to do this? It's like no. Um, it's not that there's not a need for the knowledge. I, I think it's just there's so many people who have have come into the community that have enough expertise that they can share their knowledge, and that's enough for most people to get by and to and to learn and to grow. They don't need a formal, expensive course, you know, because we had, yeah, yeah. you know, it was a two thousand dollar price point on our course. Okay, quite high. And the DFY, how yeah. much is it? Uh, as far as done for you, um, the agency with Canopy, I know our video is, seems like it's cutting out a bit here, but um, so we typically, um, kind of a rule of thumb is I think it's, it's probably in the, gosh, I'm trying to think now as far as the general rule of thumb on this. It start, so our minimum starts at about 1500 per month. And so okay. if, a, if a brand is not selling more than about 30,000 per month on Amazon, then it's probably mm -hmm. not a good fit for, for what mm -hmm. we do, what we do. But mm -hmm. for those that do qualify to work with us, we have a phenomenal track record. We, we average for, for the average for our clients is we at least double their revenue and nearly okay. double their profitability. Well, so that's epic. it's, yeah, we've got some great track record, you know, as far as the agency goes, but, um, there's kind of a minimum baseline in order to, to work with us. Yeah, for sure. And how many clients do you have? Um, gosh, I want to say 170, 180, something like that currently. Wow. That's a lot of, of people to serve. And I guess, you know, <laughs> do you take also like a, a ROAS share, a ROAS share, like any profits that they make, you take a percentage of that? So we, yeah, so we take a percentage of growth above what they came in with. Okay. So it's a pretty small percentage. Certainly um, we're given a lot more value than we're taking. Um, but yeah, it is based off of, it wasn't always that. We, we've adapted the pricing model over the years. Uh, the agency is about four years old now. So we've had to ad uh, adapt the pricing model just to make sure that it was always a good value so that we didn't have because honestly, one of the things that would come back is we'd have, you know, each quarter, each year, some accountant or tax attorney or a controller or something like that would come in and talk to the CEO and say, hey, your busy, biggest expense consistently every month is this agency over here. Like if okay. we got rid of that expense, then we could be this much more profitable. The problem mm -hmm. was we didn't do a good enough job early on in educating the leadership, the CEO of here's the results that we're producing for you. Mm -hmm. And here's ultimately the, the final benefit to you so that they mm -hmm. could push back on that person and say, look, the ROI is where we need it to be. We're going to continue to spend that money. Yes, it's the highest expense, but keep, keep spending them. So they get influenced by their controller or their accountant yeah. without having showing you know, your work is super important. <laughs> Yeah. Like reporting. So I really tell is, my team, uh, you know. Yeah, you, you have to communicate it in a way that 
you've got to answer the question consistently every single week every single month is what's in it for me to continue to pay yeah. you for, for what you're doing if that's service yeah. same thing that i teach in the amazon world for product listing is you've got to you've got to speak you've got to answer the question of what's in it for me if i buy your product to the consumer otherwise always you can't just assume that they're going to just magically come up with this, the answer for themselves if you should be able to right. hand it to them on a silver platter and say here you go it should be obvious that you know exactly why you're purchasing this product or this service and yes that's something reminding that them is, yeah reminding them to report you know because humans are are imperfect they often forget you know and just putting a report every Friday in their screen, uh, reminding them the results you achieved for them is, is always great. Whether you're a startup, whether you're an employee, if you're an employee, like I asked my uh, employees during the daily standups to come up with victories, you know, every meeting, every single day. Yeah. Yesterday, we agreed that we would do that. Today, did you come with a victory? Did you come with like a bottle of wine to my house or did you come empty headed and you expect me to, to feed you, you know? <laughs> Right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. That's a good, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. We do the daily yeah. standups also. Uh, so that's a good part of our culture a, is a parting question for you. Cause we've got like a minute left or so for the pun. Um, okay. what have you learned in the past few years, uh, with, with Kenobi, what are the top three lessons let's say that you've learned in the past few years? Uh, definitely demonstrating the value, demonstrating the value, answering the question of what's in it for me, what we were just talking about. Yeah. By far, I'd lead the conversation with that now. Whether okay. somebody is prospecting me on LinkedIn or mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to sell one of my own products or trying to help a client sell their product or their service, I invest in Airbnb and crypto now. And so in each of mm -hmm. these cases, I carry that over and that is really focusing. I've got to be able to answer first and foremost what's in it for me from the consumer standpoint mm -hmm. i'm going to give you money what's in it for me what's the benefit to me that's the first thing uh second thing from an agency standpoint from any business standpoint is uh not having processes or having broken processes and sops mm -hmm. is a surefire way to kill your company <laughs> like if you don't have you're not going to last more than a year just um winging it based off of you know because you might have subject matter experts in-house that's who i was mm -hmm. but we had to get it out of my head and onto paper and into a checklist so that other people could replicate the same results with consistency if you don't have those sops you're you're going to get inconsistency you're going to lose clients you're going to have high turnover and it's just going to go down from there um so the the processes and the sops need to be created as early on as possible. The third thing, um, treat people fairly. Um, you know, I mean, that's part of how we adjusted our pricing model is we said, look, we want to make this more and more fair to our clients. And then we also make sure that we're constantly working for our own staff or our own people. We're constantly asking the question of like, what can we do for you? You know, where did you, you know, like, like you said, you know, with the daily standup, we do the same thing company wide on zoom. We'll literally have 60 to hundred plus, you know, employees that'll jump on every single morning, uh, depending on what time zone and whether or not they're available, but they'll jump on and we'll share. Where did we win yesterday? 
What were the big, um, you know, and, and who helped you? Who got caught being awesome? Who, who helped you uh, to win yesterday? So we're constantly building up the team through that daily interaction and constantly recognizing each other for the teamwork that we provide. So those are the big three. Pretty cool. Good lessons. Well, Brian, thank you for that. Thank you for your knowledge. Thank you for your presence. Today was a very cool podcast. I uh, learned a lot through your past and like your journey with Canopy. And those lessons are pretty good, especially the second one with SOP. I'm going to write it down for sure. So thank you for, for your gift today. Uh, and have yourself a great day, great weekend. Sounds good. You too. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye.